You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil All right, huh. hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Today we are discussing Return of the King, Book Five, Chapter Five. The Ride of the Rohirrim, although I must say it's not very ride-y. It mostly does take place when they've stopped. I, I honestly think For this the most is part. like the eavesdropping of Mary. That's what this chapter should have been called. But anyways, yep. <laughs> I'm Caitlin. Drop some eaves. And I just randomly spent $300 right, right before we started recording. I'm rounding up, but it was... For a good cause. I mean... The cause is your ability to play Fire Emblem. Well, and, yeah, and it's animal, also just and an animal your health. Yeah, my health. Yep. I'm Rachel. I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. It's a mood. I'm Emmy, and I uh, really didn't know what day it was until about 15 minutes ago. So that's how my shelter at home is going. Yeah, it's a time. It's been great, but time has lost all meaning. Yeah. No, I was. I went for a walk at lunchtime today, and I was talking with my mom about how, like, this really drives home what I say a lot of the time, that time is an arbitrary concept. <laughs> Which we know that, but like there is so rarely do we get to like enact that Experience. on our life. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Now we're living it. Time time means nothing. Let's get into what this chapter is act what what this podcast is actually about. Uh not our lives. Not Tolkien and Yarn. <laughs> that that is I'm... I mean, that's on brand. <laughs> I think ninety percent of our yarn talk though, we we t- we do pre-recording usually so i don't i don't think the listeners are quite aware of how much of our discussions recently have been about yarn uh, a lot for all a of lot you out of there them. even our conversations with some of our listeners have been about yarn so uh <laughs> yeah that's that's a thing all right so the characters the Woo. characters in this chapter are mary still a hobbit but is now called master bag which is the best <laughs> name for any Hobbit of all time. I, I really did so enjoy much. that moment. Yes, so good. Uh, we have our silent soldier, Durnhelm, who is definitely not anybody else, even though they never speak and stay uh, mysteriously close to the King of Rohan. Speaking of which, we have Theoden, the King of Rohan, and Amor, who Emmy wrote as still majestic. He is. He's great. He's also been like officially adopted. That's true. Oh, when Theoden said, my son. Oh, so good. So yeah. Good. We have Elfhelm, which 
do you think that that's what Tolkien wished his nickname was? Yes. <laughs> uh, Very likely. I, I'd been thinking that that sounded like it was one of uh, Aragorn's monikers. Yeah. Who is like the marshal of the section of army that uh, Mary and Dernhelm are in. Yep. Dernhelm and Master Vag have found themselves in. I know. I understand soldier army situation. Yep. It works. Anyways. And then there's the wild men. Native question mark tribe of the forest whom the people of Rohan oppress. Yeah, we've this is our racism for the chapters. We're gonna get into that. It's, I mean, I guess it's, it's on the better side from what it clearly has been in the past. Anyways, then we have Gonbury Gon, who is the chief of the wildmen, and we have Windfara, a generic foreshadowing wind whisperer. Guthloth, Theoden's is that how that is spelled? Banner bearer? No, no, Guthloth. Yep. I think there might have been an accent over the U. Oh, man. Not the most majestic of names. He really lost the name lottery. Right? You go from Windfara to Guthloff. How did you think it was spelled? I don't... Well, when it goes by in the audiobook, because he's kind of a nothing character, you just... He's literally mentioned one time. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Sorry. Guthloff is Theoden's banner bearer who gets his horn stolen like a bitch. And broken. <laughs> yeah. And then there is Snowmane. Aiden's very, very good horse. Very, but very good horse. But yes, very good. N- not, but not, not as good. Yeah, not, not, not also as not good. stolen. Not Shadowfax. Not Shadowfax. Not Shadowfax. Not Though stolen. He is clearly channeling some Shadowfax energy in this chapter because mm-hmm. he goes yeah. so fast, fast he's as the, fast can go. He's the best of Theoden's not stolen horses. All right, my short summary is super lame. You should do a new one, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, on a way right now. <laughs> Um, no, the, uh, the short version of this chapter is that the Rohirrim travel through a secret valley in order to avoid the enemy, and they arrive at Gondor eh, pretty much in time. Uh, also, eh. there's lots of eavesdropping. That's it. Drop some eaves. I did leave that out. I really want to sing, like, secret valley the whole time this chapter takes place. Through the mountain. Is that a song? Yep. Secret tunnel, but we rewrite it to be about the secret Avatar. valley. I- Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh- Yes, yes, yes. You don't know. I was gonna say you don't know what we're talking about. We have to end this now. You have to go watch. No, yes, I was like, yes, darn, I don't have my no. Please. Yes, yes. It's an origin story of Caitlin and me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I do. I just forgotten as I am wont okay. to do. Carry on. But you're back to the pack now. Yes. As long as you're here now, I am here. So, uh, our long explanation for this chapter starts with the Rohirrim. They take breaks to rest on their way to Gondor because it is a multi-day journey. Um. Though because of the darkness that has spread from Mordor, they've sort of begun to lose track of when night really is. Which um, is relatable! Which is like, I felt really close to them in this chapter. <laughs> though not so much the fact that like, I don't know when the daytime is. At least I still have sort of sunlight for the most part. Um, they're like, it's nighttime, we're gonna rest. And then they wake up and they go, is it daytime? We're not really sure, but we're gonna go now. And Mary has a lot of trouble sleeping. Because he is very anxious and a lonely baby. Um, the other writers all act as if he's not even there. And Dernhelm doesn't talk to anyone at all. Which is your first hint that something's weird. Or like your fourth or fifth or 27th. Hard to say. And I couldn't <laughs> tell at this part if the writers were all ignoring Mary because they knew he wasn't supposed to be there and they didn't want to report him. I think that's or, what it is. Or, yeah, if there was some other reason... Um, they treat him like he's just another bag on Dernhelm's saddle, which is 
Like, ouch, that is really sad because he had such camaraderie with the people of Rohan before this chapter. Um, and he hears, while he's not sleeping but trying to sleep, this call and response of distant drums. And some of them are nearer, some of them are farther. And he wonders if the soldiers who are on watch have picked up on them because nobody else is reacting, but it sounds like the enemy forces are getting closer, um, and he's wondering why why none of the Rohirrim are in any way concerned about this. I do love this and idea then, that there are trained, seasoned soldiers on watch, and Mary is like, I wonder if they can hear those super loud drums. I know, drums. Right? <laughs> Am I, I special? Yeah, should I tell them about these super loud drums echoing through the woods? <laughs> yeah, and uh, then he doesn't have to because Elfhelm Right, our marshal of this Aored of the Rohirrim accidentally kicks Mary. Sounded like pretty hard as he's trying to make his way through camp to bring everyone to readiness. Right, he's got to wake everybody up, and he ends up uh, telling Mary that the drums are coming from the wild men of the forest and not the orcs um, or other members of Sauron's army. And in fact, the wild men have arrived at camp to offer their services to Theoden at this very moment. And this is where Mary begins to drop some eaves. So he sneaks off. Uh, in the darkness, obviously, all the sneaking is very easy because it's still nighttime. And he watches Theoden meet with the wild men, or I guess wild man specifically. We don't get any indication that anyone's come down with the wild man headmen. And Mary says that this uh, chieftain looks like one of the Pukul men come to life. They were mentioned in a previous chapter. The statues, the Easter Island heads. Yep, the really creepy ones. And... um. We get this really bad moment where Mary like refers to Gonbury Gon as a creature um, instead of a person, which was, I didn't like that at all, but it gets worse and better in equal turns. Um, Gonbury Gon introduces himself and he offers to help the Rohirrim as the wild men can, right? They're hunters. They're not warriors. They're not going to ride into war. And Eomer really kind of immediately disdains this because what Rohan needs now is aid in battle. What good are these people going to do them at all? And Gonburygon tells Aomer that they have counted the enemies against Rohan and studied the situation at Gondor, and if they want to help the Stone City, they need to be very quick. And Aomer doubts their ability to count, which was a great moment of Gonburygon shooting him down, which was nice. That was so terrible. What an asshole Aomer was being. Right. It was a... Re- it was like, not a great moment, and Gonbergon had to—I can't remember exactly how he phrased it—but he was like, um, "We're not children; we know how to count." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. shut up, Aomer." Yeah, and I think wasn't part of it. He was just like, "I know exactly how many are in your army." Yeah, yeah. and then he like drops numbers, and he was like, "And the orcs have more." And Aomer's like, "Ah, oh, damn." Yeah, even cloaked in darkness, the wild men can count. Like, they move stealthily, I, and it's great. I want to love Aomer because Carl Urban, He's obviously. Majestic. But, you know, he's kind of an asshole. This was not a good moment, to be fair. This particularly for many people. Theoden's only main redeeming grace was that he didn't say actually that much. He didn't have any interjections the way Aemer did. Yep. He knew how to keep Um, it in his mouth. He was a diplomat. I'm just saying Eowyn would not have had Aomer's problems. So mm-hmm. we like Gonberry Gon, guys. We're rooting for him. He is smart. He has a backbone and he is a good headman for his people. Um, and he tells Theoden and Aomer that he knows more roads than Rohan does, right? The tall men have forgotten many things from the past, apparently. And he will lead them through a mountain valley carved by the tall men of old, um, which leaves the road here where, close to where they're camped and curves back around to the road after their enemies who are currently... Uh, in Mundberg, which is apparently on fire 
at this moment. Like, rip, Munberg, we never knew you. They want to ride to your rescue, but also kind of seems like a waste of time. The wild men are going to show Rohan how to get to the field of Pelennor, where they will then kill orcs and drive away the bad darkness. And in exchange, (laughs) this is the part that I hated, in exchange, uh, the people of Rohan will no longer hunt the wild men in their forests anymore. Excuse me? You were doing what? (laughs) Rohan, what were you doing? Being the worst? Like, seriously, in their native forests. This is another one of those where you think back to, like, the similar wild men who uh, Saruman had gotten to, you know, fight against Rohan, and you're like, I can't really blame them for taking that deal. Right? Who could? It's like, man, you were being hunted like animals. God, Rohan, I'm so pissed. Yeah, I'm glad the movies just cut this out. Me too, because, yep. like, oh, villainy, yeah. that's what that was. Theoden <laughs> brings more practicality to the plan by saying that if Minas Tirith falls, then we won't be returning. So it really doesn't matter if we leave enemies behind us by taking the shortcut going around Mundberg. If, and if Rohan is victorious at the Stone City, if men prevail, then the Orkos that they are leaving at the bonfire that once was Mundberg is going to be cut off from their forces and easily dealt with. And then Theoden tells Gonburygon that if he is faithful, he shall be rewarded. And we get more salty, sarcastic Gonburygon. Um, because when Theoden says, you will have the gratitude of the mark forever, um, the headman says, dead men don't have friends and can't be grateful. <laughs> Which was so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so now they have established that they will no longer be hunting down people in their own forests. Uh, Eomir brings up the practical manner of how long does it take to move an army? Math. Since, I know, math time, since they can ride four horses abreast, which means that this road that they somehow lost that is carved through this mountain and connects to their main road um, is huge. This road is huge, and they just, like, misplaced it under some grass and some trees. Um, it takes about seven hours for, for the army to move that, that way. And Aomer says, let's plan for 10, because something's gonna go wrong. Something always goes wrong. And no matter how well they ride, they will not be able to make it to Gondor today. Oh no, Gondor. Whatever could be happening I'm sure everything's there right fine. Now. We have no idea. Everything's totally it's fine. Great. Don't worry. They'll get there someday in the future. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they do. They take this uh, secret, secret road in the secret valley, and we get descriptions of nature and descriptions of riding. The wild men have been scouting for Rohan so that uh, the riders don't need to send out their own scouts um, because the wild men are, quite frankly, better at it. And um, the, the wild men scouts come back and inform them that there is no watch between where the road spits them out and the new walls that Gondor erected on the fields of Pelennor. Um, and when I say new walls, I obviously mean the new old walls that the orcs have already, like, blown through. Yep. They're, they're no longer they fully functioning walls. They were new at one point, and now they're just sort of half-erect. Gonbury gone, bows low to Theoden right here, which, uh, why? It might might just be like a greeting thing. Like, it might not be a bowing to the king thing. It could have been, but he like, it says he like takes his horn's head and puts it on the ground. And I was like, what? I've been watching a lot of anime, okay? It's just a thing that they do. (laughs) Could be, could be. Uh, but when Gonburigon straightens, he stands really tall and is startled and announces that the winds are changing. And then he goes off back into the forest. And, you know, they're like, oh, look, at what was that? Foreshadowing <laughs> in the distance. 
Um, so Rohan rests there where the wild men left them to regather their strength. And soon Elfhelm returns to report that two errand men of Gondor and their horses were slain. One of them still clutching the red arrow to their breast. So Denethor does not know that the army of Rohan is on its way. Uh, um, poor, poor messenger you're gone. dude. You're yeah, RIP dude that we definitely yeah. remember his name in. of. We cared about him so much. So much. You're gone for anyway. fake president. I don't know. Really, rude of them to kill the horses. You would have thought they'd find them useful. They probably weren't black. Yeah. True. Didn't match the aesthetic. It's all Maybe about the aesthetic. Maybe they wanted to eat them. You See, listen, they're just like wasting valuable resources here. The riders of Rohan set off in the night. And th- is this is nighttime. We're not sure. It's just, it's dark. It's always dark. We're just assuming it's nighttime because time has passed. Um, and Mary realizes that Durnhelm has been slowly but subtly working his way forward through the line. Until now, he's riding behind the king's guard, which is right, like totally ignoring suspicious the spacing of army dumb. Yeah, you know, well, just like as your look, ra- you regular your random troop. soldier does. Look, definitely, yep. Durnhelm is a rebel. Durnhelm <laughs> clearly brought Master Bag and <laughs> will put himself wherever he wants himself in this army. I mean, yeah, and nobody comments on it, which is interesting. Outriders return to the king and inform. Um, the riders that great fires are burning around and inside the first level of the city. We get Windfara, right? Our uh, mystical wind whisperer, who apparently, like, unexplained, has a magical relationship with the wind. And now he tells us that it is true what the wild men told us before they left. The winds are changing. Heavier dose of foreshadowing, in case you missed it the first time. Um, and then we get Theoden's really fantastic Now is the Hour speech, mm-hmm. which I'm going to read because I like it. Yes. But I've lost it. Where is it? <laughs> Page 818. That was not how you I had the page. I just didn't have the paragraph because I was like, I'll know where it is when I get there. That's not how numbers work, guys. I'm tired. Eighteen. Wouldn't that just be 811? Okay. Okay. Now is the hour, riders of the mark, sons of Errol. Foes and fire are before you, and your homes are far behind. Yet, though you fight upon an alien field, the glory that you reap there shall be your own forever. Oaths ye have taken. Now fulfill them all. To lord and land and league of friendship. And the men clash spear upon shield, which was really great. I don't know about you, but I have a sword lying next to me right now, and I feel like I should take it up and go fight something. I love all of Theoden's speeches, um, in, especially in this particular book, but I'm really upset that in the movie they cut out and League of Friendship, because friendship is the greatest theme well, of these books. I agree with you, but the to Lord and Land thing they gave to Aomer when they're just leaving Edoras, they don't have yeah. Theoden say that. So it's kind of in a different spot. But they, I feel like they could have uh, put it into his Red Day speech. Right? right, I firmly believe that the scriptwriters could have made that happen because it is. Although I do like so Ride for Ruin much better than Ride for Gondor. Yeah. Yes. And the world's ending. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting there. We'll get. Sorry, I'm we're sorry. jumping I'm ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they have very, very little in the way of battle plan, right? Except that, like, Aemer is leading his Aored, and it's going behind the king's banner down the center, and Elfhem is going to the right after they pass the wall, and Grimbold is leading his company to the left, which I think for the most part is exactly what they said in the movies, actually. Except I don't think Elfhelm exists, but... Um, uh, so it 
almost uh, because I maybe I watched it on YouTube right after finishing this chapter <laughs> today and then got like really upset when the YouTube clip stopped and didn't continue with the rest of the movie. Ugh. But yes, pretty much the exact same thing, except Grimbold replaced Elfhelm. It's like it's Aramur, Grimbold, and Gambling. Gambling replaced Elfhelm. Oh, okay, then whatever. Some... Grimbold's in here. Yeah. Somebody and Aramur takes his company to the right instead of the center. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it's great. They've got no plan except, you know, you're going to mow forward, you're going to go as fast as you can, and you're going to kill all of the people that get in your way. And you're like, okay, this, you know, no plan survives contact with the enemy. So you gotta, you gotta bust out your coconuts. Yep, they're just doing the best they can. <laughs> um, as they ride off, Dernhelm keeps very close to the king, and Mary is forced to like cling to him on the back of the saddle. Which is again, dwell- wasn't his wasn't his captain supposed to lead them to like the side? Yeah, yeah. Dernhelm, Dernhelm is doesn't a have a captain. Rebel, a punk. He's bitch. mysterious and clearly belongs to no company. Which should raise Mary's suspicions even a little bit, but does not. Um, but Mary like dwells upon the king's last words to him, which were, well, not last, last words, but, you know, last depressing words. In such a battle, what would you do, Mary Adok? Um, and he feels acutely what a burden he is on the back of Dernhelm's horse. It's very sad for me. Mm-hmm. They ride the league between the, uh, the king's speech and the outer walls. Um, which seems kind of foolish to make a really loud speech right before you ride directly at your I mean, enemy, but okay, a whatever. Away. I don't think I don't think his voice I'm, travels. I'm gonna talk about distance. Okay. But Theoden's voice does travel, and we will talk about that too. <laughs> um there aren't that many orcs standing guard. Uh they were clearly not worried about people coming up behind them. Um so they slay them really easily, pass through the outer walls. And when Mary peers over Dernhelm's shoulder, or around Dernhelm's side, I guess would probably be more accurate, he estimates they're about 10 miles from the orc host that he can see across the field. I'm like, those are some really flat fields. Yeah, even Illinois how can isn't you that see, flat. Yeah, how can you see 10 miles? I mean, even on the back of a horse, you're not, you're not tall. Okay, anyway. so I have absolutely no concept of how far 10 miles is, because um, we're, we don't use In a city like that. Ever? What the fuck is a mile? Um, But uh, I will say that the army of orcs is really fucking big and has a lot of like fire and smoke and shit. So maybe it's not that he can see individual orcs. He can just see like the big mass. But then what's he estimating 10 miles to? Like the front of the massive orcs? No, like I said, I have no concept of 10 miles. This is just, (laughs) I'm just, you know. Maybe this is how it makes sense. I don't know. I mean, that's got to be like even if you were seeing like a kilometers. black swatch upon the land, like even if it was just like there was grass and then there was blackness where people were standing. Um, first off, it's nighttime, and <laughs> second, that land still has to be like so flat or going permanently downwards. In which case, I don't know that you'd canter your horse down. Well, actually, that they are. We coming- can't all be Aemer. They are coming out of the mountains, so they they would be raised up. Uh, but then they cross through the outwalls on the edge of the field of Pelennor, so they're not that much higher anymore. Mm, that's true. I'm just, anyway, I had a moment here where I was like, really, Tolkien? Really? Dramatic effect. I know, right? No, we've just got a little bit of hyperbole here. Uh, but the host of Rohan moves silently closer. I don't know how horses move silently, but Wait, these I ones Wait, I figured do. it out. Mary also has no fucking idea what a mile is. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes. You know what? I'll buy that. Yeah, I that thought you were going to say sense. Mary has dark vision. <laughs> 
You know, uh, after days of walking through darkness and riding through darkness, I would not be surprised if he has developed dark vision. Um, but the host of Rohan is waiting for Theoden to give the signal that they're, you know, going to charge the lines of orcs. And Mary is worried that seeing how badly it's going for Gondor, that the king is going to turn around and leave. Um, which I don't know if this is like a throwback to the dwarves losing Erebor mm-hmm. from The Hobbit or not. Um, I wouldn't but think then- so. Because I don't know if that was the way that the elves like showed up and then turned away. I genuinely don't know if that was a book thing or if it was just a movie thing. I don't either. I don't remember. If, om- if only some of us had read The Hobbit and talked about it in detail. <laughs> we read The Hobbit like a year ago. So many Hobbits have happened since then. I, yeah, I, I have absolutely no memory of how that all went down. So that's wonderful. Yep. Isn't it terrible when your memory fails you? Um, I might actually now- have a copy of The Hobbit next to me, but let's not do that. No. No, no. It might be in the appendices anyway. Guys, Mary feels it in this moment. The wind on his face and light comes from somewhere, probably to the south. Uh, And then there's lightning against the great city and the great tower is like a glimmering needle against the dark. And then the clouds close up again with a boom and it's all darkness. I don't really know what exactly sort of vision was supposed to like show up there, but it's like, oh, the light broke through and then darkness prevailed again. So I don't know if that's supposed to be like red herring foreshadowing. I don't know. But at the I mean, sound of the boom. Oh. I don't know if this is actually what was happening, but I pictured that being like the exact moment of like Gandalf fighting the Witch King. Yeah, that's what I picked. That'd be nice. Because that was like at the very end of our last chapter. Yeah. They That was when they met and it was like, oh, Rohan's here. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's what I thought it was supposed to be. That's what uh, I assumed that- also, but like we recorded that a couple of days ago and I don't. I don't remember. It was a whole week ago. Was it? It yeah. was, yeah. What is time? Okay. Exactly one. Um, I don't remember if there was lightning. I don't think there was anything. I thought it was just them looking at each other dramatically. Again, I watched that YouTube clip, so it has the whole sword on fire thing, so I was maybe superimposing that. It's really hard to say, but I don't remember there being a loud boom at the end of that chapter, and it seems like the sort of significant thing that you would put in it. But- Okay, fair enough. At the sound, they had in yeah, like yeah, straight. Yeah, they just sort of meet and then it ends up right. He's like they give a taunt to each other and then you know the horns of Rohan. sword and that's about it. And a rooster crows. <laughs> Maybe that's what as the they boom do. Is. Yeah, that's <laughs> the boom. It's the rooster, <laughs> the one rooster in Gondor. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to be pretty impressive if they haven't eaten him. Yep. <laughs> I don't think you eat rooster. Why? Why not? It's a fucking chicken. They're pretty Eddie. hungry. Okay, now, finally, at the sound, (laughs) Theoden straightens to his full height and calls in a louder voice than any mortal man has ever achieved. And then we're going to read this speech, too, because I really like it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And it's going to sound familiar to, I think, pretty much all of you. Arise, arise, riders of Theoden. Fell deeds awake, fire and slaughter. Spear shall be shaken, shield shall be splintered. A sword day, a red day, ere the sun rises. Ride now. Ride to Gondor. And then he, we mentioned this earlier, he seizes the great horn from Gunloth, (laughs) Guthloth, uh, his banner bearer, and he blew such a blast that it breaks into pieces. Um, Which I feel like wouldn't wouldn't the sound not go great if it broke, but whatever. I'm assuming there was sound and then suddenly it shattered. Yeah. 
And then all of the other horns of the army pick up the call. And he yells, ride now, ride now, ride to Gondor. And he charges forward on Snowmane, the the bestest horse. And then I get to read now this really long final paragraph of this chapter, which is honestly, I think, my favorite part of this chapter. It's really good. Snowmane is the almost bestest horse. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't know. This is a hill I will die on. It's hilarious that Gandalf just stole Shadowfax hill. Suddenly, the king cried to Snowmane, and the horse sprang away. Behind him, his banner blew in the wind, white horse upon a green field, but he outpaced it. After him thundered the knights of his house, but he was ever before them. Eomer rode there, the white horse tail of his helm floating in his speed, and the front of the first Eorid roared like a breaker forming on the shore, but Theoden could not be overtaken. Fay he seemed, or the battle fury of his fathers ran like new fire in his veins, and he was borne up on Snowmane like a god of old, even as Orome, the, the great in the battle of the Valar, when, he, when the world was young. His golden shield was uncovered, and lo, it shone like the image of the sun, and the grass flamed into green about the white feet of his steed, for morning came, morning and a wind from the sea, and darkness was removed, and the hosts of Mordor wailed, and terror took them. And they fled and died, and the hooves of wrath rode over them. And then all the host of Rohan burst into song, and they sang as they slew, for the joy of battle was on them, and the sound of their singing was fair and terrible, came even to the city. It's awesome. Yep. It was so good. Some good stuff. Um, I just I love that he managed to lead into battle the entire time. No one could catch up to him. Him and his death wish. Yep. I really, really love the hooves of wrath. Yeah, right? The hoofs of wrath. Sorry, it's an F. The hoofs of wrath. That's that's the best line. That's it. We found it. The hoofs of wrath. (laughs) I sound like I'm super Uh, joking, but I love it so much. No, it's such a good... I love the idea that, like, as he rides, like, the world comes alive beneath them. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like Fern Gully. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly like in Fern Gully. And I also like the idea that Aomer keeps going, <laughs> like, I need to catch up, I need to catch up, and Theoden's like, bye! Yeah. <laughs> He's yep. the king of the horse lords, and really, like, he can outride all of his people. I think that is the greatest. Because he's anyway, got Snowman earned horse. it. Yep. Best horse outside the city, though. I said, oh, uh, I see what you said. Yeah, so, it's, it's funny, I don't know what came over Tolkien, but I feel like in this book, his big thing has been describing fey moods on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're different than they normally are. And I think actually the first time was Aragorn after they like, you know, the the uh, North people, the Dunedain yep. from the North <laughs> came and told him he needed to go, you know, to the dead roads. What? Okay. <laughs> Where are you? I don't remember names for anything right now. The rangers came and were like, we brought you your banner, but oh, surprise, you can't see it in the dark. And then they took the paths of the dead. Yeah, that one. Um, They described (laughs) Aragorn as like Fae at that point. But I I think last chapter, uh, Tolkien used that to describe uh, Denethor. And I thought it was interesting, uh, especially because, Emma, you, you describing it as just Theoden and his death wish. Because it was like you had the the fey mood of Denethor as he's trying to burn himself alive. Yeah. Mm. And then here you have the kind of the converse of it, which is Theoden, fey, also sort of riding to his death, but it's in 
terrorism and not avoidance. Nihilism. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just interesting. It's something no, I've been picking right. up on. It's a theme. How do we all react to the end of the world? With fame moods. Whatever Apparently, that may mean. I don't know either. Did you guys have any favorite bits that I didn't bring up? Um, I really I actually, do feel like they packed in the bestest parts at the end. But Yeah, the end was, the Hoofs of Wrath and that whole speech was amazing, obviously. I also just really liked how throughout the chapter, Mary would think about how lonely he is and then think about Pippin and how worried he was about Pippin being stuck in the city that is under siege. And I just really like that because it's, it's actually rare for Tolkien to have good character bits like that. Mm-hmm. That, that like makes sense in a real world way. Yeah. That, and like every time yeah. Mary was like concerned about, he's like, why am I doing this? And he'd be like, oh, right. Like Pippin's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I like that a lot. I do like similarly, well, not similarly, but how you guys noticed that they're always mentioning the, or the, the whole Faye thing keeps coming up. I noticed that he's really into ending his chapters in a big way, this book. Like, almost every chapter, the end has been like, oh, holy shit. You know, that, like, last page it's is true. We get punch. those. We get the hook. Yeah. And that's interesting, because I don't remember that in the previous book. Although, no. Mm-hmm. Well, Fellowship, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That book was a little bit of a drag for me. <laughs> well, and I think it's, you know, um, Fellowship, kind of, everyone was together, but it was a lot of building. And then um, the last book was split in two with... Um, you know, the trio and Mary and Pippin bits versus um, Frodo and Sam. Mm-hmm. And this one, even though it's still technically split that way, since the party split so early on, it just, you know, we keep going back and forth. You know, we had Aragorn going through and then we went to, we go to Gondor and we see what's happening there and we go back to Rohan. And so each time we're like, we're simultaneously building toward this hole. So each time it leaves us hanging while we find out where everyone else is catching up Mm -hmm. so i think that whole splitting makes us you know keep that urgency i also uh again with the ending of this chapter um that we which is amazing so of course we're going to keep talking about it i liked the mention of orme because i only remembered these books mentioning elbereth so i liked that we got at least one other valar and i also liked that it kind of implied like with the sun finally rising and and as you said the the ground coming alive beneath them and that sort of thing and with mentioning Orme there at the end, it kind of implied that, you know, the Valar are watching, you know, they're not just, they're not just drinking wine back on tuna. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was my dinner on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> what was I saying? Anyway, so I just like the idea that the Valar are watching, you know, having a good time, putting maybe a strike of light in here and there for dramatic effect, you know. Yep. Just being there. Just being their good old drama selves. Yep. And so maybe thinking, oh, I guess we kind of left Sauron there for them to deal with. Looks like they're dealing with them now. Everybody went quiet. Sorry, yep. I'm, I, I'm out of things to say. Yep. My cleverness <laughs> has expired. <laughs> I can only be clever for a specific period of time. Close awesome. us out. Take us Next out. Next week, everybody, if we're all still alive, we will be talking Battle about... Battle of the Fields. Yes. Um, book five. No, Return of the King. Book five, chapter six, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. And I do believe, dun dun dun, we get my actual favorite confrontation here. It's gotta be here. It doesn't make any sense for (laughs) I have not read ahead, but it doesn't make any sense for it to be in any other chapter. So we'll see. Yay. So we will If that is if that's true, actually, it will be really hilariously coinciding with Emmy's and my uh 
Shakespeare group Woo. because I was thinking about Dernholm this week because this week we're doing Twelfth Night. And if next right. week uh, we're, we might, we're presumably doing Macbeth. And if we got their favorite bit, it would be so fitting. <laughs> it would be fantastic. And Twelfth Night is my favorite Shakespeare. There you go. Anyway, maybe I'll watch. Awesome I love that. Dr- I love that dramatic that device. Yes, so, it's so good. Yeah. All right. So we shall see you all next time for the Battle of the Pelennor Fields. Woohoo! <laughs> if you would like to support the show in a monetary manner, you can do so at <laughs> Patreon.com. Slash, so you want to read Tolkien. If you want to support us in a non-monetary manner, we always appreciate ratings and reviews on your podcast listening platform of choice or, you know, talking to us on Twitter at 2Etolkien or anything like that. We also have an email address. It's actually don't know off the top of my head. It's <laughs> want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell us how you're surviving this, you know, yes. end times. How is everyone doing out there? Are you doing some Tolkien-related knitting? Are you doing some unrelated knitting? Have you baked a loaf of bread Are you yet? ignoring us because you don't have a commute anymore? Oh. That's also fair. Yeah. Or, My podcast I mean, listening has dropped. Uh, I listen to podcasts while I cook, so. I listen to TV while I cook at the moment. You, Not that I do a lot of that. It's been baking. Same thing. Anyways. I currently have four loaves of bread in my house. All right. All right. Good night, everyone. I have been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Goodbye. Bye. See you next time. Bye. I don't know if that was high-pitched enough. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.